Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the Honest Youth Pastor YouTube channel, the channel that helps believers use biblical discernment in all aspects of life. I am Michael, the Honest Youth Pastor. Welcome to another video where we do that one of my favorite ways, which is in a sermon review. Today, we are going to be taking a look at a sermon called Super Mario Brothers, Director's Cut Week 4 from Pastor David Payne. Now, if you wonder before we jump into this what a sermon review is, or you're new here and you have no clue, a sermon review is something we do each week here on the channel where we work through a variety of different pastors from a variety of different churches and a variety of different sermons all sent in by you or occasionally ones that I find on my own. Now, this particular sermon was sent to me by a patron, and if you want to become a patron and support what we do or get these sermons early, that link will be in the description below and you can do the same. But today we're going to be looking through this sermon and we are going to be looking for three specific things. The first is going to be, do they read the scripture? Of course, that should be assumed in a church, but it's not always this, uh, the case of what happens. But today, that's the first question we're going to ask is, do they read the scripture? The second is, do they exegete that scripture using context and culture, bringing out the application for the original audience as well as our modern audience so we can learn about the scriptures and how it applies to our life as believers? And lastly, do they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do they talk about Jesus' life, death, resurrection, all of those things that are the central pillar of Christianity? Is that brought up at all? See, each week we do that for a particular reason, hopefully to help you walk through the sermons that you watch online or in your own local church to discern if those sermons are being done correctly. Now, to sort of help you do that, there is a free PDF guide below as well to use it in your own churches or as you're watching sermons online. And it'll walk you through the same basic questions that I talk about here on this channel in this sermon review, as well as all the different sermon reviews. And again, that's free down below. Now, today we are going to start in this particular one. Let's go to the And uh, we're going to be looking at Pastor David Payne, Super Mario Brothers. I think it's like Lifespring Church is where this is from. I'm not entirely sure, to be quite honest with you. It doesn't really matter because, again, this isn't about the pastor uh, at all. This is about what is happening in the sermon and the sermon build. That's the entire point. So uh, I am starting about a minute and 16 in uh, because there was a lot of music that I'm sure is copyrighted <laughs> at the beginning of this sermon, and I didn't want to get a strike. So if you want to watch the whole sermon, as always, link will be in the description below. The sermon itself is 44 minutes though, so I want to go and jump into it because I don't want to make this review incredibly long, but I do want to go through a lot of it. Now, for full transparency, I have watched about half of this sermon. I wasn't able to make through the whole thing, and from what I have seen so far, there's going to be a lot of moments that are uh, what I would call excruciating, which is just means we're going to go through a lot of information that's not incredibly important. Um, apparently, he this, this pastor felt it was, but we'll kind of talk through that a little bit. So with that being said, let's go and hop in because I don't want to make this too long and we will see um, how one may preach a sermon about Super Mario Brothers, the movie, and if it can be done well. Uh, well, maybe if I can get this thing to actually push play. Let's see. This is your very first time at Lifestone Church. Welcome. My name's David. I'm the pastor here. And it's a joy to have you join us on Sunday. We think Sundays are amazing. We get a chance to worship God. We get a chance to learn from the scriptures. And we get a chance to do it with people who don't have everything figured out yet. Look at the person beside you and say, Mama Mia. <laughs> Go ahead. Look at the person on the other side and say, It's a me, Mario. <laughs> Come on. Some of you just laughed. You didn't say it. I didn't hear enough Italian accents in the room. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, Life's on Church, uh, you know, over the last few weeks has been in a series uh, called Director's Cut, and you're here for the conclusion of it. If this is your very, very first time at Life's on, over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the Word of God with movies as an illustration or a demonstration of both either the truth of Scripture or an illustration of truth in Scripture, one or the other, depending on the movie. And today's the last last week for that. And the reason that we do this every year is not only is it a lot of fun, it gives us a chance to just have some fun, and we think church should be enjoyable, but it also gives us a chance to explore the reality, right? Jesus said that he didn't do anything. He didn't teach anything except with a parable. Like everything, he said, I always tell a story to help convey the truth that I want to make sure is installed or instilled or transferred into the, the crowd on the side of a hill or the group in a boat or my so what he's referring to or what he seems to be referring to is Matthew chapter 13, specifically verse 34, where it, see, where it says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And then Matthew goes on to talk about how that was a fulfillment of a prophecy. Now, I think it's also important to bring up when we're talking about that, you know, parables and Jesus using them is also Mark chapter four. So if you go to Mark chapter four, starting at verse 10, it says this. And when he, that being Jesus, was alone with those around him with the twelve, uh, the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, and then he quotes uh, a quotation from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and he says, They may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven." Um, and then he goes on to talk about the sowers. This is the, the parable um, that was beforehand in which they, 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 they ask about. And so Jesus' point here, even though Matthew obviously talks about Jesus telling everything in parables, Jesus sort of unpacks that a bit more in Mark chapter 4, talking about, again, so they may see but not perceive, they may indeed hear but not understand. And that is in reference to what he says in verse uh, 11, to those uh, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, that being in the parables. But for those outside, everything is in parable. And so this idea that we're going to use movies as parables to tell the gospel to those outside of the church, uh, because Jesus used parables to explain the things of the kingdom of heaven, um, sort of is working almost in op opposition to what Jesus said the parables were for. He said to you, the disciples, those that follow him, have been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But for those outside, the, the, everything is in parable. They're, and so this idea that, well, we use movies to tell stories as Jesus used parables to tell stories so that people can know about the kingdom of God um, sort of works, but sort of doesn't. It's not a one-to-one -one comparison. And it's one of those things that I think it's a stretch to say, well, Jesus told parables, so we're going to use movies to do so. Now, if we were being honest and completely like one-to-one -one comparison, what we would do is we would say, well, we're going to tell stories as Jesus told stories in order to open up the truths of what God has said and explain them in understandable ways. This is what Jesus uses parables for. And so again, as we've said on this channel over and over again, it's not that stories are bad. In fact, stories, if used correctly, can be done really well and very much, as Jesus' parables do, open the eyes of the people that are listening so that they understand the kingdom better and understand how God operates and what we are to do and all of these things. However, um, to use movies is a different thing. Right to to purposefully make an entire series on a book or on a movie, and then say, "Well, we're just doing the same thing Jesus is doing." 
um, isn't necessarily isn't necessarily true. That's not a one to one comparison to what is actually happening. So we, we do need to take that in consideration. We are literally the first generation <laughs> that uh, that is using uh, entire storylines that are not based in the scripture to try to pull some sort of truth out of to communicate the gospel through this this for better or worse wording secular uh, story. Now again, people are going to pull out. I believe it's an Augustine quote, which is all God, all truth is God's truth, and then also try to say, well, if there's truth in this movie, it's still God's truth, and we can still relate God's truth through this movie. Okay, fine. If you're witnessing to somebody, witnessing to somebody, if you're evangelizing, right, maybe you can pull that truth out, um, and then use that to point them maybe to the scriptures. But to do this from the platform and use this as a sermon. Uh, a, a sermon illustration on steroids uh, is not the same thing as Jesus telling parables. Disciples under a tree. I do everything with a story. And so stories matter. They help us connect to truth. They help us understand a principle well. And in modern day, stories are not just verbally told. Of course, they're illustrated. They're in books. They're in movies. They're on TVs. Now, there's some great things about that. How many of you, how many of you like Mario? How many of you are Mario people? Go ahead, hold your hand. Not very many of you. Okay. How many of you are Luigi people? Just let me see. Who loves Luigi? He's like the, the poor younger brother. You know what I'm saying? I have a friend named Luigi. Okay, well, hallelujah. Uh, how many of you are peach people? Who's the peach people? Where's my peach people? Okay. How many of you are Bowser people? Okay, we're praying for you after service because he's evil and terrible. Modern day, right, we have parables and stories that are told all the time. Now, they, they aren't all intended to convey truth. Some of them are intended to deliver a message that's very the, the antithesis of Scripture. It's the, the opposite of truth. It may be actually to try and instill a value that isn't godly. But there is truth sometimes in the middle of culture that we don't know is there or that we, we, we need to mine out. And, that, and, and sometimes it's twisted truth. And so in the, in the journey in our series in Director's Cut, we endeavor to pull out truth that's hidden in movies or to illustrate a truth that's in scripture because it's a great illustration. The last three weeks have been a lot of fun and today is the last day. And I just wanna say, and, you know, I'm gonna speak to those of you, this isn't your first time. Maybe, this, maybe you've been coming to Lifestone Church for you know, a few months or, or maybe a lot longer than that and it's wonderful. But um, I wanna celebrate something. I just wanna talk to you for a second. Um, before we do that though, can you do me a favor? We have a Lifestone Church campus that, that meets up in Worcester every weekend. It's a couple hundred people that gather and worship Jesus and they're awesome. Can you do me a favor? Can we welcome our Lifestone Church campus up in Worcester? What's up? How you doing, Life Song Worcester? Man, turn to somebody and do the same thing. Say, Mama Mia, just make sure they know that you can speak Italian. That's what that is, just so you know. Um, but I want to talk to, to those of you that have been, you know, this is your church. It has been for a while. Maybe you're, you're making it your home. Maybe you've, it's been your home for a long time. I just want to say, the purpose for which we exist is to help people know God, live in freedom, discover purpose, deliver hope. Like that's, that's why we do what we do the way we do it. It's endeavoring to help people come to faith in Christ and grow in relationship with him over time. And I just want to celebrate something real quick. Over the last three weeks, there've been 65 people who've, who've said yes to Jesus. Now I do want to know, like that is not something to stub your nose at. Like that is something that is great, is amazing should be celebrated, right? If the gospel is proclaimed and God 
gifts faith to people to believe in him to have their lives in completely changed upside down and altered that is something to be celebrated so what we're really looking at here is that um during the sermon the assumption now is like oh wow okay so there have been people that come to faith in christ so my assumption is the, the gospel is going to be proclaimed here because what he's if, if what he's saying is uh, true which there's no reason to believe it's not then that's that has happened during the last three weeks in which this series has been happening. And so the assumption is that sermons like this um, have fruit, that fruit being people coming to saving knowledge in Christ. So that sort of sets us up here for, okay, in the next uh, you know 40 minutes, then we are going to be looking at and witnessing uh, the gospel being presented apparently through uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. So let's, let's keep going. And, um, you know, I was talking with some of our team recently uh, just in this series about this, just what God is doing in drawing people to himself and, um, and just the joy and blessing and pleasure it is for, for our church. And I know this is not just our church. It's happened in lots of places. But the privilege to be able to not only share the gospel, but be able to walk with people as they discover a full life and abundant life in Jesus. And so as a church community, I just, I just want to say to you, I'm, I'm so grateful that you invest in, in every way, your time, your talent, your treasure, in helping us reach people with the good news of Jesus. I want you to know that it's happening. And I want you to know that, that your investment in helping us help people walk with him is happening as well. And so um, just something to celebrate the way God is at work and we're getting to cooperate with it. And today, of course, is the last day of this series. And so if you, how many of you have seen the movie, the Mar Super Mario Brothers movie? Anybody seen the movie? If you've seen the movie, put your hand up real high. Go ahead, let me see you. Okay. Two-thirds of you are here and have never seen this movie. Is that what I'm gathering right here? So this is a good example, I think, of why doing sermons based on movies is a problem. And I don't think some of you watching this, probably many of you watching this, don't need to hear this. You already know this. But when you're doing a, a sermon, a talk, based upon a, a cultural moment, right, like a movie or an event... Um, you're going to have people, at least in this case, quite a few of them in this particular service that have not even seen the movie, aren't interested in the movie, don't care about Mario and Luigi, aren't even like, oh, it's a movie, right? And so now you're going to have to build up some sort of foundation so they at least understand what's going on, which is what he's going to do for the next 10 minutes, and build up some sort of understanding in them so that then they can... You, <laughs> They can understand the thing that you're trying to use in order to communicate the gospel instead of just using the gospel, right? Instead of just using the scriptures. When you use the scriptures, you can unpack culture and context. You can explain that well. You can work them. Like you're, you're basically going to have to exegete the movie in order to then connect it to the text, which now who knows if you have enough time to exegete the text because you've already spent all of this time prepping and introing a movie that some people may not have seen, men people may not have seen, they may have interest in it, they may not have interest in it. And so you're just working with so many things that seem pointless and a waste of time when you could have just said, hey, here are the scriptures. Let's unpack those. They are interesting enough in and of themselves, and they do connect with you, right? They, you, we don't have to be entertaining. We can just be engaging because there is a difference there. Engaging is when you bring people in 
because they're learning something. There's actually something valuable for them in this. They, they learn something they didn't know before. They go away more intelligent with questions, really working through stuff. And a good sermon is going to engage people, even if they don't disagree with you entirely. It is going to engage them, engage their minds, their hearts, and really get them thinking, if they are believers, how does this best apply to my life? Like, what does God require of me? How can I live a holy life toward him? Um, versus if you're just talking about a movie and like you may or may not be interested in that at all. And it's just entertainment to get butts in the seat. Um, now, I'm not saying that's what Pastor Dave, David Payne is doing here. I'm just saying that in general, again, we're looking at the principle. Is this principle of teaching through movies a good idea? You're, you're wasting a lot of time trying to get people on board when you could just jump right into the pool instead of trying to coerce them to the pool, if that makes sense. Okay, hallelujah. So um, then we're going to be here a long time today. Um, Chris, just cue the movie up from the start. Let's just run it from the beginning, get everybody up to speed. Um, it's a fun movie. Well, Super Mario Brothers, of course, is, is a movie, but it's not new. The movie's new, but Super Mario Brothers, the Mario Brothers are not new. Nintendo invented these guys a long, long, long time ago, and there's been a whole universe created around the Mario Brothers. I, I remember one of my favorite games of all time. I don't know if any of you, how many of you are arcade people? How many of you remember going to the arcade? Come on, somebody. First hand up right there, right? You remember the arcade? My favorite game back in the day was Donkey Kong. Do I have any Donkey Kong people in the house? Come on, some of you are like, Donkey Kong, that's a game? Yeah, believe it or not, we're that old. But Donkey Kong was a great game. Love that game. I remember playing Mario on Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I remember playing it, playing Mario Kart. Where are all my Mario Kart people? Who's my kart people? Hey, listen, I'm just saying, how about that Rainbow Road? Come on. Mario Kart. You know what the worst part of Mario Kart? What was the worst part of Mario? The worst part of Mario Kart was the blue shell. I remember my family, we would play Mario Kart. We'd get together, we'd play Mario Kart, and um, everybody has their favorite track, right? For some people, it's Rainbow Road. Other people are like, forget it, I'm not playing if we play Rainbow Road. <laughs> Everybody's got their favorite. We like the ship, the yacht that you raced on. We love that one. Yep, Janelle, right there. Did you hear? I don't know if y'all saw it. Yes, I, I got a gospel amen out of the front row <laughs> for, for Daisy's yacht or whatever it was. Anyway. So we would play, it was so much fun. But when we would play the game, we'd um, get going and there'd be four of us in the room and we're playing. Um, and then if someone got the blue shell. For some of you, you know this, right? If you've grown up in a church that preaches expositionally through the scripture, this type of thing is very likely giving you a headache. Because again, it doesn't have anything to do, nothing to do with what the scripture is that he's going to bring up in a minute whatsoever. And it's purely entertainment and not just engaging. Again, engaging preaching is important. It draws you in. It gives you value. It brings you into a place where you can actually engage with the scriptures. It's not boring. But entertaining preaching is just entertainment. It is connecting to you on some sort of cultural level, maybe some sort of nostalgic level. And that's, that's as far as it gets. And its attempt, whether you know Pastor David is trying to do this here or not, it, its attempt is to engage you through some nostalgic entertainment thing, not, not engage you into a deeper knowledge of what's actually in the Scripture. If, we were, if that was our goal... That's where we would be anchored. 
But our goal here is apparently to preach the gospel through Mario. And so we now have to, there's all this extra stuff attached to this. And so if you haven't grown up with expositional preaching, um, it, it initially seems boring to you until you understand that it's actually preaching. <laughs> you're, you're actually learning something through the scripture as this happens versus what's happening here. Whereas we're going to spend another eight minutes giving background lore on Mario when we could be in the Gospels really working through that in a very helpful way. The whole, like the game like came to life. Because right, we're all like you're locked in draft and power driven. You get the boost. Come on, somebody remember? You don't have to, am I the only one? And, um, and then someone would get the blue shell and you could, they didn't say, ha ha, I got the blue shell. Like they never announced it. You just, you could feel it. It was like this supernatural moment. The Holy Spirit just came over them. They would get the blue shell and you could see like, like oh. Like the, their posture would change. Like y'all are dead now. Like that, like just that moment. Like, aha, you're mine, you know? And then they would send the blue shell and the blue shell would show up and blow you up and destroy you. You'd shoot 50 feet in the air. And when it happened to you, you saw it coming like, oh no, oh no. You're trying to shoot the red shell or the green shell back. But you couldn't stop the blue shell to destroy you. I loved Mario Kart, so fun. How about Mario Party? Who are Mario Party people? Anybody play Mario Party? There's like a thousand of them, Mario Parties. How many of you, let's just be real, confess in church. How many of you gambled on Mario Party? Literally, four hands went up. Like, nope, I did. I did, pastor. That's how I went broke, lost my house. Gambling on Mario Party. We, I just, we loved them. And um, of course, all the, all the Mario games in every variant brought such joy to, to our house and our room. And so when the Mario movie was coming out, there was this like, oh, like my son and son-in-law were like, we gotta go see it. We're gonna sell everything and get specialty tickets and VIP seats and we're gonna dress up as Mario and Luigi. They didn't actually dress up, just saying. But um, just to go participate in all the craziness because it's been a thread in culture for 30 years. Like, it's been woven into culture. Everybody, if you never played it, you know of it. If you saw, if you saw a picture of, of a guy in red and overalls with a hat with an M doing this, <laughs> you knew exactly what that was. Like you just knew. You didn't have to play it all. It's so in the middle of all that we know. And so when the Mario movie came out, the Super Mario Brothers movie came out, Man, I was excited to see it, and, um, and as I watched the movie, there were so many things about it that were nostalgic. I mean, everybody's in the movie, Mario and Luigi. Again, I, I just want to break in and say, just because <laughs> I feel like I need to, just to help us all mentally. Um, there, there are different types, and again, I, I don't know anything about this, David Payne. I just want to make sure everyone is clear on this. This is not necessarily a full critique on his preaching. This is the only sermon I've ever seen of his. But the reality is there are different types of preaching. There are helpful, and then there are just neutral, and then there are just just terrible. And I would say this falls in, at least this particular sermon, falls into the neutral category just within the first 10 minutes of this sermon, at least. Because what we're doing now is 
it's not gospel preaching. It's also not some, you know, progressive nonsense either. It's just is what it is. It's it's pointless. I mean, it's it, it's literally pointless. We're we're not doing anything productive right here. And so that that begs the question of why do something this way? We've had 10 minutes to open the scriptures, to proclaim the gospel, to dig into them, to explain what's happening in the text. Um, and we've done none of that. And that's what's annoying here. Like, that's the question I, I, I again, I haven't sitting down with David um, here to talk to him clearly, but I, I've sat down with pastors like this and asked them the question, like, why? Why do you do this this way? And typically I get the que- the answers that David's already given at the beginning. Jesus told parables. Like he told stories. And that's what I do. I make it accessible to people. And that's usually the answer. And so I have to say, well, like, I'm glad you have a heart for people that don't know Christ, right? To engage them in a way that you feel is like Jesus, but what part of talking about, in this case, Mario background is anything similar to what Jesus did um, in the parables? Each part of the parables that are told, each, there's not a wasted sentence in the parables. All of it, in some way, when Jesus explains them, is about the kingdom of God. And none of this is. And so we can't claim that, well, we're doing the same thing Jesus is doing. Because you're not. You're just simply not. Peach, Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, all the carts, the Rainbow Road, they're all in there. The pipes and the blocks and the raccoon suit and the, like everything, it's all there. You watch and it would get a little bit friendly. You'd be like, oh my gosh, I remember that. And then you're like, oh, this is so fun. Oh my gosh, I remember that. And own the flower and I can burn things and all the freeze fire. I'm just telling you, you're going to have like moments like endorphin, like I remember that, that was in again. It was crazy, but so much fun. And as I watched the, the movie and was, of course, looking for truth, what can I, what do I see in this? It's just, it's, it's, it's truth, it's biblical truth. And we believe that all truth is God's truth. If it's truth, it's God's. We don't define truth. The scriptures define truth. And so as I'm watching it, I, I'm looking for, for what there is. Or are there twisted truths that we want to talk about? And so uh, today I want to talk to you a little bit about a, a, a particular topic and a few things out of the movie, of course. And so I would love it if you would get something to write on. Um, we, we believe in note-taking at Life's on Church. If you're new here, we believe in taking notes. You can take them on your phone. You can take them on your iPad. You can write them on someone's arm and take a picture. You can do it however you want to. But we believe in taking notes, and, um, and we take pictures. We have cameras in the ceiling. If you don't take notes, you're going to get an email. We're gonna... <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. And so I want you to, uh, to write down a big idea. Overcoming the obstacles in front of us is often dependent on the community around us. Overcoming the obstacles in front of us is often dependent on the community around us. In the beginning of the movie, when we meet Mario and Luigi, they are uh, trying to launch a plumbing company. 
And um, apparently they've worked for somebody else, but they've decided to just go all in and start a movie. I mean, start a, a plumbing company. And, and they do that. And of course, there's all this conflict. But one of the most significant conflicts um, that, that kind of sets the movie up is when Mario and Luigi come home after having this crazy experience, their first client, and they get home and they're talking with their family who's seen the, the commercial or whatever. And, and the family's talking about the commercial. Did you see the commercial? See the commercial? Yeah, we saw the commercial. And they're telling them, you know, this was crazy and you guys think you're movie stars and ha, ha, ha. Why would you take all of your life savings and put it into something like that? That's crazy. And um, Mario said to his dad, you know, what'd you think? And he basically said, I think it's crazy. And now you've roped your brother into it too. You guys have quit your jobs and gone all in on this thing. And I think it's a total mistake. And Mario gets down from the table and he's, oh, he's all upset. And he goes back to his room because he feels rejected and hurt. And he and his brother have, have got a dream they're running after together and they, they believe in it together and the commercial is awesome and, and their moments of engagement together are great. And then this crisis comes on Brooklyn that's gonna flood the city. And, and, and Mario's kind of like, yeah, we're gonna save Brooklyn. Like that's what we, that's what we do. And so he grabs Luigi, he says, we're gonna go take care of this. And he heads out to go and help save Brooklyn from the flooding. That's just water pipes are broken, it's flooding. And he ends up trying to solve it, sees people aren't getting it right, and he tries to solve it. And in the midst of his solving it, the, his whole world shifts and he discovers what we know as Mario's land, kind of, kind of this world that's different than Brooklyn and things kind of take off from his discovery in the pipes below the city of Brooklyn. So just so we're clear, they're like, hey, due to copyright restrictions, we cannot show the cliffs on here. So there's going to be all these cliffs during this entire, this entire sermon in which aren't shown. Okay, so that's, that's the idea there. We can't show those, and then he'll come back. The audio will be a little bit messed up when he comes back because the sound person isn't. pipes are the coolest thing ever. There we go. End up in the green pipe, and then it takes you somewhere. And uh, you end up, how many of you remember ending up in like secret levels? Or you find the special pipe that takes you down below and you get special bonus. Like, I just think warp pipe's the coolest thing ever. Well, Mario finds a warp pipe, right? Down in, underneath Brooklyn. And he takes off to go and, you know, find the problem in Brooklyn. And the warp pipe he ends up in brings him into the Mushroom Kingdom. But in the journey, if you noticed, as he and Luigi are being sucked through the warp pipe to wherever it's taking, him they've never been in they're they're you know he's trying to catch him he gets to him they grab hands and they're like oh my gosh Mario what's going on Luigi it's gonna be fine why is it gonna be fine he said nothing can hurt us as long as we're together and I, I I think if you stay with me through the movie what you're gonna discover is that it's hard for them to get together, right? Mario ends up in Mushroom Land and Luigi's off in the Darklands and, the, and Toad, how many think, I mean, Toad was the best in Mario Kart. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And, um, and Toad says to him, he's in the Darklands, that's scary. And Luigi, or excuse me, Mario at the end says, don't worry, Luigi, I'm coming. In other words, we're apart. We've, we've, talked, we've talked about this before on this, on this channel. Um, but here's the thing. Intros are incredibly important. It is how, if you are going to engage your audience, that's how you're going to engage them, is by your intro. Um, I know this this particular, you've been with me for 30 minutes so far. Um, we are 15 minutes into this sermon, and um, I'm already done. <laughs> like, I'm, I am so checked out with you 15 minutes in that... Um, it's it's going to take a miracle to get me back at this point because I don't care. I don't care. 
about Mario. I don't think a lot of people care about Mario. If you're an unbeliever and you come to church and you hear about Mario, I, I'm not sure that that's what God, I mean, God does a lot of miracles. I don't think a lot of people's testimony is I came to church, heard about Mario and his connection to the gospel. And I was like, my mind's blown. Okay. I, I've said it before and maybe I'm, I, I'm just <laughs> in a bad mood today, but like this type of preaching is ridiculous. It just is. We are going to get to a verse here in a minute. We're about to our first verse. Finally, about 16 minutes in. I'm alone. You're alone. You're in a dangerous situation. Mario doesn't even know the world that he's in yet, but they're apart and he's willing effectively to do whatever he can to get back to being with his brother. Everything's at risk. His brother's at risk. He doesn't even know what the risk is to him yet, but he's willing to do whatever he's got to do to get back into a place of being with his brother because when we're together, nothing can hurt us. Write this down. The risk of being hurt is worth it for the power that comes from being together. There is something amazing about community. And community, of course, does not just mean, you know, us in our community. Community doesn't just mean the hundreds of people that attend church together. Those things are all true. It could mean the community of your family, the community extended beyond that into a peer group. Here's what community doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you alone in the dark lands. Community doesn't mean that you're figuring it all out and you're fighting all the battles alone and there's a big evil terrible thing called Bowser who wants to hurt you. Like it community does not mean aloneness. It doesn't mean isolation. Community means more than one. I love the way Solomon writes about this in the book of Ecclesiastes. This is a, a poetic book. It's one of the books of wisdom, Ecclesiastes. It's where we hear things and have read things. And even if you've never read it in scripture, you've heard there's a season for everything under the sun that comes out of Ecclesiastes. And in chapter four, verses nine to 12, this is what it says. It says, two people are better than one. If you're here with your spouse, turn to look at them right now and just say, we're in this together, baby. Go ahead and tell them. That was an opportunity for you to give a kiss to your spouse in church. I'm just saying. Okay. And all the children went, ew, gross. Okay. Two people are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. Hey. Okay. It's not a marriage series, even though it sounds like it. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Mario says to Luigi, nothing can hurt us as long as we're together. But here's the, here's the risk in togetherness is that the people who can hurt us the most are the people that know us best. People who can hurt us most are people that know us best. I mean, truthfully, truthfully, I, I might hurt people in the way that I relate to them sometimes, make mistakes and all that kind of stuff. But can I tell you, there's a person that I can hurt more than anyone, and it's, it's my wife. Why is that? 
Because in knowing her best, I know all of her strengths and all of her weaknesses, all of her sunburns, all of her vulnerabilities, all of the hardship, all of the things she's walked through, all of her wounds that remain from prior relationships or childhood or parents. And so when I feel bad or when I don't like how things are, I'm, I'm willing to make sure that she doesn't feel good too. There's something about our humanity That in, in the places where we're hurting, we want to lash out and hurt. And I, I just want to say that that results often in a sense of isolation, even in marriages. We can end up in a place where, ooh, I don't want to get hurt. And what we've effectively said is, I won't go after others. I won't be available to others. I won't let others get close to me. I'm willing, I'm more willing to risk my own defeat and my own, you know, uh, pain and being attacked alone. I'd rather risk that that's gonna be damaging than risk the difficulty of relationship even though the power of togetherness is so much bigger. My, my question is this, at this point in the sermon, we're, we're, we're 20 minutes into the sermon, so we're halfway through, I mean, essentially. The sermon's 44 minutes long, we're 20 minutes in. And my question is, where, how is this different than getting some sort of therapy session, TED Talk, essentially? Like, this is essentially a TED Talk from a, a kid's movie. Like... So far, the Super Mario Brother movie has acted as the scriptures in regards to the point that he's making right now. Like, you could have completely left Ecclesiastes out of this and used Mario and Luigi as some sort of example of togetherness. Like, the scripture was put in there seemingly just to be there. It, it, makes, it makes no sense. And what I want to challenge you a little bit in is that idea of who is around us. If we're going to overcome obstacles, it's dependent on the community around us. And, and of course, Luigi ends up in the Darklands. Mario ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom. This is, no, this, this is kindergarten, elementary-esque morality right here. That's all this is. You could sit your kids down and be like, hey, you know how Mario supported Luigi in the movie we watched? Yeah, Dad, I know that. Okay, be like that. Why? Because it's nice. Okay. Like, that's all, <laughs> that's all we, 20 minutes worth of that. We've invested 20 minutes of our lives into this sermon. And that's what we've got so far. The Bible says it too, right? Yeah, the Bible says it too. But so does, I mean, really, we're talking about Mario and Luigi here. Oh, okay. Like, it's... <laughs> Dude, man, what in the world? And it's, you know, the, the, the adventure begins. And the adventure Mario's on. I want you to see this. Mario and Luigi were building a plumbing business. That was the idea. And then everything shifted. And in the shift, they end up apart. And Mario was not thinking about getting back to Brooklyn. Mario did not get to Toad and go, hey, 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 does that pipe work in reverse? I need to get back to Brooklyn. He didn't say that. He, the first thing he says to, to Toad is, hey, I'm looking for my brother. And he ended up going a different direction, ended up in a thing. Oh, that's the darkness, right? The only thing that was on his mind was returning to community. Community's a big deal. Now, as Mario ends up with Toad and they bounce off the mushrooms, they're headed to the castle to meet Peach. And it's, it's a great scene. I mean, again, 
I, this is essentially uh, like this. This this is a whole new take on Isa Jesus, right? So basically, I have an old sermon review of Christine Kane, and she uses Acts as this weird like when Paul was on the ship. Like I can't even do a Christine Kane accent. I'm sorry. I was trying to do some weird Australian thing, and it went sideways. But the point is that she uses Paul's journey as like, when Paul was in a shipwreck, you'll be in a shipwreck too. When the winds came upon Paul, you'll have the winds of life come upon you too, right? I mean, basically just using everything as an allegory uh, or an analogy. And he's doing the same thing. <laughs> he's not using the Bible for it. He's using Super Mario Brothers for it. I mean, it's just like you can pull analogy out of anything, right? So now he's talking about community is important. How do we know? Well, because when Mario lost Luigi, all he wanted to do was find Luigi again because community is important to everybody, even cartoon characters that don't exist. It's just... What happened to preaching? <laughs> That's just a legitimate question. What, what happened to preaching? Like, we've done some really good sermon reviews on here of some excellent sermons. Please send me those. Could we do, could we do sermons, reviews of really good sermons? That'd be great. I think the last one I did on here was by uh, uh, Tony Wood, I think was the last one, maybe. Maybe there's been another one. I don't want to say there hasn't been, but man, they're few and far between. There's so much about this movie you're going to watch. And go, oh, that, I know what that, oh, that's awesome. As he meets Peach... His intention in meeting her is believing what Toad had said, that she can help him get back to his brother. But, of course, there's the evil Bowser that he knows nothing about. He, Bowser's the most evil person ever. And what's going on in the movie, this, this kind of um, journey, Mario re returning to find Luigi, is around uh, or connected to Bowser's journey to conquer the world and to conquer it by marrying Peach and utilizing his superstar to woo her and that if she would marry him, they would rule the world together, this whole thing. And if they won't, then of course he wants to destroy the world. And so you know Bowser from some of the games and all that, but it's important to just understand just how big a deal Bowser is. And believe it or not, there's a really, really significant statement he makes as we get to know Bowser. Sorry, guys, because of copyright contains, I, we can't show it to you. So, you know, I'm sure it's super important and super deep, but we can't. Bowser's so we're, here he is. Man, here, we're back. Um, how many of you have heard someone sing Peaches? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Like, Peaches, Peaches, Peaches. All I'm saying is Jack Black crushed that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Peaches, Peaches, Peaches. My, my grandson sings it. Uh, the, the night my son and, and son-in-law saw the movie, they came home and my son walked in the door going, Peaches, 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 Peaches. Like, that's the song, okay. Bowser is, of course, all about finding a way to woo Peach, but ultimately his goal is really to rule the world. And he closes the piano on, on his minion's hand. I'm gonna call it right now. We're exactly halfway through. We're 22 minutes and 44 minutes sermon. I don't think we're gonna have any significant scripture read or explained. And I'm going to call it too. I think we might have a very simplistic gospel message put at the end. Like, you know, if you, if you feel lost like Mario away from community, um, if you feel lost like Mario away from community and you want to know and find your way back to Brooklyn, put your trust in Jesus Christ and you can find your superstar and escape the evils of Satan, which is representative of Bowser in this movie.
or something like that. And he says, pain is the best teacher. Here's what I want you to write down. Painful lessons are the least welcome, but can be the best preparers for God's call on our life. Painful lessons are the least welcome. Can I tell you, there is, I don't, does anybody, this, this is how many of you like pain? Yeah, that's what I thought. No hands, right? The whole old adage, no pain, no gain is true, and yet we hate it. Painful lessons are never the lessons we want to invite. In fact, Mario's going through the mushroom kingdom and there's pain all along the journey. And along the journey, as he's going on trying to figure out how to get to Luigi, he encounters moment after moment after moment of difficulty and pain. But each moment of difficulty and pain leads to a moment of discovery about yourself or about what's ahead or how to navigate something. And yet we are often in our most significantly painful places asking God, take Take away the pain. Take away the pain. Eliminate the pain. Make the pain go away. In fact, it's like my grandsons, right? And your kids, your grandsons, when, when they get hurt, they get an ouchie. What do they say? Kiss and make it all better. Take the pain away, Gigi. Take the pain away, mommy. Make the pain go away, God. But painful lessons are never welcome, but they often teach us the best. Here's the way it's written in Romans chapter five, verses three to five. It says, and we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. How many of you, whenever you run into a problem or trial, like traffic jam, how many of you pull up in traffic jam? Yes, God. <laughs> You're at work, you've been working on a project. Your boss is expecting it to be done by Thursday, Friday, whatever it is, right? You're getting it done, and somehow or another, you forgot to save it. Yeah, that's it. that is pain. Do you know what I'm saying? How many of you are like, oh, God, you're so good. I get to practice typing and creating PowerPoints and projects and spreadsheets again. I love you, God. No one. No kid says it when they get in trouble, when they make a mistake. When you, and not all of the pain that we experience is self-inflicted. Some of it is, but that we sort of like, ah, it's my own fault. I did this to myself. But when pain comes from an external source, circumstances or difficulties, someone else did something that creates conflict or problems or pain or trials in your life, most of us don't run to the Lord in praise and thanksgiving. We run to God with a cry of our heart that is, take the pain away. Like the minion said, can I open the cover to the keys now? And he says, no, pain is the greatest teacher. All he want to do is get his fingers out of the path. Like, <laughs> but Romans 5 says we, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The journey of the movie very much revolves around overcoming obstacles. We do it best in community, and when we curse the obstacles and shy away from them, we miss out on development that comes through the pain. So I don't, I don't know what your pain is. I, I don't know what the trial is. You're so what we're seeing here, I think it's important to, to point this out. There is scripture that he's using 
intermediately through telling the story of the Super Mario Brothers movie. So we've had Ecclesiastes, now he's used Romans. And what this demonstrates is this. Well, let me say this by using the opposite. Whenever you're preaching through scripture expositionally, verse by verse, what you're saying is this is foundationally where truth is found. Everything that you deal with in life should be viewed through the lens of scripture. And therefore, all of this is incredibly important to know and to actually live a life faithful to scripture and in, you know, living after the holiness of God and pursuing Christ and being sanctified by the spirit. All of that requires you view all your experiences through the lens of Scripture. Now, I'm not saying that this pastor or any pastor that preaches like this doesn't necessarily believe that. But what we do see whenever we're using the movie as a foundation with uh, you know, with uh, ex- like a Scripture here and a Scripture there thrown in is that what all their like the connection they're making is as he said before like there's there's truth in everything all truth is god's truth and so he's interjecting into this sermon basically about the movie how scripture connects with moments in people's lives in everyone's story versus using scripture as the foundation and bringing in examples for life to demonstrate that hey this is how we deal with it then when we come across it with a scriptural lens and I, I hope that makes sense, but there is a huge difference here. One is blatantly founded in the scriptures and saying, this is the anchor, this is the foundation, this is the lens in which you've everything through, versus saying, like, when you come across this, here's the verse for you. I don't know if I'm communicating that well enough. One is blatantly scripture-centric. The other, you only run to it if you need a verse and that's problematic because we're not, we're not seeing the context of those verses. We're not seeing um, how the people, those verses were written to like how they're interacting with that. What, what the context of that is. So it's not to say that there isn't scripture in this sermon, but it's definitely not, it's not scripture centric. That's not the foundation. He's interjecting it as he sees fit versus using it as the foundation and interjecting examples into that to explain how we then interact via the lens of scripture. And it's subtle in nature, but it's profound in implication. You're in right now. I know, I know Janelle's in mine. I know the things we're dealing with, but I don't know yours. I don't know if it's marital pain. I don't know if it's spiritual, you know, kind of craziness in your world right now, sorting through, I don't know if it's family difficulty or medical diagnosis, maybe it's this economic insanity that's going on in the world. I, I know what, I know some problems of the world much like you. And most of us are crying out for problems in our personal life to be dispelled. But what if we were saying, what, what if I was saying, God, how do you want to develop endurance in me? God, what is the character that is the gap that I need to grow in? I don't like it, but I, I wanna trust you in it. Even if the pain I don't love or the, the place of pain, the origin of the pain is difficult or, or I distrust it, I trust you. I see you. I'm surrendered to you. 
And on the other side of the pain and the other side of the difficulty, you, God, will make me more like you, even though the pain isn't the way I would like to learn the lesson. See, and that there, that there, 27 minutes, 39 seconds in, isn't a bad sermon to preach. Like, if we're going to preach a sermon on, on living out pain well, understanding that our pursuit of Christ, um, that, that we can grow in Christ through the pain, that he is our foundation through the pain, that he is the one that sustains us through the pain, that, like, that would be a good sermon to preach, right? Find the scripture, there's plenty, in which God's people have to learn that lesson, or we see an epistle in which that lesson is being written to, to give them encouragement to endure through, like, do that, and then center the message on that, and preach that through the lens of the scriptures, so that those that are believers can be encouraged, they can endure, right? And those that are not handling it well can maybe be rebuked a little bit even, maybe even a little bit convicted of the fact that they're not relying on the Lord and the Holy Spirit can work in their hearts. Like that there, this just those few seconds. <laughs> like that would be a good sermon. So Bowser, of course, is, is after this great agenda to, to seek peach. And you saw the star up there. He can't wait to bring her the star. He thinks it's going to win the world. He's, she's going to just fall down in front of him. Oh, Bowser, you're amazing. And marry him. That's what he's picturing, this fairy tale wedding. And so they're planning. But of course, Mario's trying to get to Luigi and he's connected to Peach and Peach knows that Bowser's coming. So she's trying to defend the Mushroom Kingdom. And Mario finally gets to the place after bouncing around with Toad where he meets Peach. And he hears of this journey that she's on, but he presents his own plight in the journey. I need you to help me find Luigi. Here we are again with an intervention that we can't even use because it's a movie clip. Why do churches do this? Oh, man, that's like the classic thing, right? Mario trying to break through bricks and get power-ups and bounce off the stuff and do a butt drop through the, like, that's like classic Mario. But I, I want you to focus on how that went. Like, we could replay that scene all morning. We could probably do a series out of that one scene alone. Every part of that scene speaks to this journey that we're on in community and as a Christ follower. I love the way... She said it. She said, he said, how do I do this? There's no way I can do it. And he, she says, the power-ups. They give us gifts. They, they make us capable of things that are beyond our natural ability. And then Mario gets a power-up. He hates mushrooms. And he ends up on the course doing all the stuff. And he fails, and he fails, and he gets bit by the thing, and he gets hit by the fish, and he ends up in the pipe, and he gets knocked out by the bullet bills, like all of it, just over and over and over. And he tries again, and he tries again. And she lets him try again, and she encourages him to keep going and try again. Don't worry, your gifts are developing. Don't worry, you're getting better. Don't worry, I know it's painful, but you're getting better. Each painful lesson is making you more capable. And the gifts are coming out of you. And as you discover all that's in you, you're able to overcome more and more. And he gets to the end. And he's like sitting there de dejected. And she says, man, we've got an adventure now. And he's like, but I'm not there yet. I didn't conquer the course. I'll continue to fail. I may be getting further than I started, but I'm not there yet. And she says, yeah, but you're almost there. 
I need you. The world needs you. Your brother needs you. The community needs you. Here's what I want you to write down. We all have gifts that the body of Christ needs. And we all have needs the body is gifted to meet. In Romans chapter 12, probably one of my favorite portions of scripture, verses four to 11, this whole thing is described. And I, I think in our journey with Jesus, in our journey in church community, faith community, we often are viewing the idea of growth and gifts through the lens of comparison. In fact, that's what Mark So I do want to point out, he has at least begun to interject a bit more. That does not mean this is better, but he has um, seeming, the further this goes along, to actually uh, interject a bit more scripture to this. However, each of these could, these are, these are basically mini sermons is what he's doing now. Mini sermons based on the movie. Instead of actually digging into, like that last one was really good, right? We could have talked about, uh, his point was painful lessons are the least welcome, but uh, can be the most beneficial for God's call on our life. It's a whole sermon by itself. Not from the movie, <laughs> from scripture, right? Same thing with what he's about to talk about. Probably, I mean, I don't know what he, how he's going to get into it, but we all have gifts that the body needs and we all have issues the body can meet. 100% true as well. That's a whole sermon on um, the ecclesia, the church, the church gathered, and the gifts that God gives us to be the body. It just, it just seems like this could be better done. This is definitely like milk, right, for baby Christians. Um, and I'm not even going to say it's even that good of milk. It's not actual milk. It's like supplemental. Like It's like powder. Mario did at the end with Peach. By the way, she was a rock star, wasn't she? She's like, everybody loves Peach. She's awesome. At the end, he's like, oh, I failed again. And you know, how long did it take you? Well, it took me a long time. <laughs> no, really. She goes, no, I got it right away. Have you ever looked around at someone else who's beginning a journey with Jesus? And you might be in here today. And you're like, I look around at all these people in this room, people up at our Life's on Church campus in Worcester. I have friends who follow Jesus and they seem to have it all figured out. And I just continue to miss and fail and all that because we're comparing our progress and our giftedness to someone else. And we're looking at the person next to us and go, oh man, they got saved and they stopped swearing and sinning immediately. I said yes to Jesus. I can barely get out of bed without using nine four-letter words. <laughs> Why does it seem so easy for them? And it's so hard for me. And what I love is the person for whom the journey with Jesus seems to have been going so well. And by the way, can I just say this? This is just for free. You have no idea whether it's really easy or whether they've made the kind of progress you see. You have no idea. And she's, she doesn't say to him until you're perfect. She says to him, come on, let's do it together. Come on, let's walk together. In Romans chapter 12, verses four to 11, this is what the Bible says. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Each part has a special function. That means you in your unfinished state has a special function. That means you in your being a believer for 30 years and having served in every ministry in the church, you have a special function. That 
doesn't matter how far along, how far behind, how new, how developed. We all have a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, man, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give exceptionally. If God has given you leadership, take it seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness or mercy, do it gladly. He says, don't just pretend to love people. Really love them. Hate what's wrong. Hold tightly to what's good. And then verse 11, it says, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Here's, here's what I want you to understand is the challenges don't disqualify us. And we all need someone who's a little further up the road to coach us in the things that we don't have all figured out yet. I'm, even though they didn't show it, can you imagine every time Mario hit a wall or ended up in the water or didn't make it, I would imagine he probably came back and was like, oh, I messed it up. And she's like, listen, when the thing's going around and around and around, you think you can get close and then back away? Like you can't. You gotta slide under it, man. Or you gotta drive through Like here's how you get past that one. He was probably like, oh, I never thought of that. Right, of course you didn't. That's why you got hit by it the last eight times on the course. Thank you for that. And the next time he gets up there, I, 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 I know better when I face this one. Poosh, down through the brick and I run under them all. We all need someone who can help us overcome the obstacles that are in front of us. And we all need to be someone who's helping people overcome the obstacles in front of them. When all we do is ask and we never give. When all we do is receive and never serve, we're stopping the flow of gift use, gift development, and the need meeting, not only in our own life, but the lives of those around us in our community. <clears throat> See, what's happening here is this, this here isn't that bad. Again, I don't know who Pastor David Payne is. I have no clue. Lifesong Church, any of that. I have, I have no idea. Never heard a sermon before. But my point is this, that he clearly can take a verse or verses really, it's not just a verse and actually preach through them. It seems, it seems somewhat well, right? So why use the gimmick of the movie or at the director's thing when you can just do that well? Like here's, here would be my encouragement. Not, not just, I mean... He's got grandkids. He may, he may be a pastor forever and he could care less about my advice. But here's my advice to pastors that if you do, if you take anything I say, even halfway seriously, here's my advice to you. Don't worry about the gimmick, right? Don't worry about it. Like if you have the ability to preach well, if you're, if you're a qualified elder, you can teach the scriptures, right? Which he appears to be able to do. Like when he actually starts to sort of dig in and pull out on the scriptures, he seems to be able to do it okay, so if you have that ability, like just forgo the gimmick, right? I know, I know the idea is that, hey, the gimmick gets people in and then you hit them with the scripture like he's doing and then they stay because they're intrigued. I get the whole, the whole show. I've, I was taught that in college. I get it. 
I can tell you far what's, what seems to be far more impactful. And again, I know this is all experiential data. You have your own probably too. What actually gets people in to discipleship and serious about the word is when the word is preached seriously and people are discipled well. Like there's no gimmicks, right? There's no big flashy light show. There's no big, hey, we're doing a series on Mario. There's no like try to hook you and then, you know, bait and switch you. It's here's the scripture. Here's what it says. Let us teach through it. And there's like glimpses of hopefulness here. (laughs) We're like, he'll read a scripture and then he, he like really starts sort of digging into a little bit. And it's actually, it's helpful, but it gets convoluted with all of this other stuff where now it's like a mini sermon when it could really be like a really deep, good, longer sermon. If we were to just get rid of the, the Super Mario brothers, like the whole gimmick. Cause he seems like he, I mean, he knows, he seems like he knows what he's talking about. So why all the pomp circumstance and show just open the word and preach it. I'm not even saying get rid of your big LED screen. I'm not saying get rid of all your lights. I'm not saying you have to wear a tie. I'm just saying like, just like open the word and explain it well. You don't need all of this Mario Brothers director's cut stuff. So I just, I, I, I want to I know, have you ever thought about the, the idea that even if you haven't become the super spiritual, crazy, elder charisma person, You are gifted. Mario knew nothing about this world. And she said, don't worry, there are power-ups. There's something that that can get you through. And that's true for you and me as well. Mario, of course, has to go on and get through the second chances, the 18th chances, overcome the thing continue to find Luigi and, and the battle rages through the movie. There's, they're on the rainbow road driving cars. There's a blue shell, the whole thing. And it comes to the end of the movie and Mario has not really gotten to re-engage Luigi the way he would want to. Like he, Mar- Luigi's come away from the, the, the wedding that was going on. They've ended up back in Brooklyn. The bullet bill came through a pipe and blew everything to smithereens and merged the worlds. And now Bowser's gonna conquer Brooklyn. Like the, the war is raging. And what you need to know is that Luigi is not like Mario. Mario's the adventurous conqueror, take everything, right? Knock out the bricks and, you know, get all the, like, he's the guy. But Luigi's a little more timid. He doesn't quite have the same, you know, boldness. You see it in the beginning of the movie, the, the initiative, the, 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 the challenge, the energy. Like, he's a little fearful and he's not quite as strong. And he's a little, like, they're just, they're not the same. He follows Mario, but he wouldn't run into the, the battle all by himself. And he's been captured and, and now they're in Brooklyn. And what are they going to do? Because Bowser's arriving to destroy not just the Mushroom Kingdom, but of course, Peach and Mario and Luigi. And how are they going to overcome this final battle as we see in the last few minutes of the movie? Uh, here's the good news. We're 10 minutes out from the sermon being over, which means we're probably, I mean, we're not too much longer in the sermon review. Thanks for sticking around this long hour. Imagine in any movie like this, it ends with the victory and the overcoming, the dominance of the bad guy. But of course, the moment I want to point you to is Mario's doing everything he can to save Brooklyn. He has the moment. Do you hear the piano synth in the back? Okay, so I'm guessing this is where we now bring in the gospel presentation that 
right? That's that's usually when the piano starts playing. The last 10 minutes of every sermon at an uh, evangelical mega-ish church, that's like the go-to. We play the piano synth. We present some form of the gospel. Moment in the restaurant. He's like, ah, oh, that's what we said we were going to do. Like, we're here for, we're here to help. Save Brooklyn. This bro is getting emotional over the end of Mario. People are going to end up beat up and destroyed. If Bowser takes control, what will happen to all these people? What's going to happen to people who have no idea about the high cost? Like I did, I, I had no idea, but now I know. And what's going to happen to them? And I feel beat up and broken, and I, he's got a red eye, and he's just a mess. And he sees that moment when he declared purpose on TV. He said, Super Mario Brothers, we're going to save Brooklyn. And something rises up in him and he walks out in the road and confronts the enemy, right? Let him go. You don't know what to quit. No, I, I've been told that. As he goes to get the star, his willingness to take a risk <laughs> Do everything he can. His brother finds something inside of him, jumps out and joins him in the fight to save Brooklyn. I want you to write this down and I want to share two scriptures with you and I'm going to pray for it. Facing down our own fears allows us to make those around us better. But facing down your fears, more than that, puts you in a position to save those who matter most to you. And what stands in the way? What stands in the way of confronting the one who would destroy your family or your neighbor or your, the friends and your kids' friends? And like, why do we stand back from the battle? And what will it take to get us to jump out of the trash barrel and pick up the sewer cover Stop, stop the fire, stop the flame, stop the enemy. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says this. It says that, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another especially now that the day of the Lord's return is drawing near. Proverbs 18, verse 24, says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer even than a brother. And you may be in here, you may have showed up at church today and you're like, man, I feel more alone than I ever have. You may have been following Jesus for a long time, but you feel isolated and alone. You don't feel the beauty and joy of community that, that maybe you once did or maybe you're crying out for. Maybe you, you're, you're, you're here and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you just know that there's an enemy and you can't even explain it or understand. You just feel like everything crashing in and around you. But I want you to know 
is that who you're spending your time with, who your community is, the engagement and the surrender and the pursuit of a group of people, I would suggest Bible-believing, Christ-following people is crucial to the journey. And the journey that I'm describing begins with the moment of recognizing the friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. And so I wanna invite you where you are to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna pray for us. And there are some of you who today will need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to say, today's the day I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering in Jesus. I'm putting my faith and hope and trust in you. God, for all of us in here, in fact, right there in your seat, if you want to, maybe you just wanna turn your palms up toward heaven right now, right there in your seat. Just put your hands out in front of you, turn your palms up. Maybe you wanna reach up real high. Just, God, I just, man, I needed this today. I needed to recognize my aloneness. God, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we recognize that it's easier to end up isolated to protect ourselves from hurt and pain and difficulty and heartache than it is to lean into the nature of real, real community, God. Lord, I pray today that for those that feel the sense of isolation, those that maybe have, have self-inflicted isolation, maybe they've found themselves in the dark lands on purpose, maybe by accident, but God, that you would be doing something supernatural in their soul right now, breaking down maybe the, the, the calluses that they're afraid to, to lean into relationship again. Maybe there, there are walls that have been created because of hardship and difficulty and heartache, God, and there's just protection. They're trying to protect themselves. God, would you minister to the hurt and broken places Places. Would you help them to sense not only your presence, but God, the desperate awareness would rise up in them and they would sense that there are people who deeply love them, who want to walk with them, who care about them, and that being in community is worth the risk. Today, God, we, we ask you to to grow us in our awareness of who we are, to help us to, to lean into the places where our gifts can meet the community of face needs. And God, to be honest about the needs that we have and allow others to come around us, not just on Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday, God, that community would, would develop and nurture and grow, God, that you would bring us into those deep places of relationship. At the end of the service, we're gonna have a prayer team down front here. And if there's some of these things that maybe are very real and personal to you, I wanna invite you to, to come and let them pray with you. But before we go today, if there are some of you in here who've never surrendered your life to Jesus, right now while everyone's got their heads bowed and eyes closed, I just wanna invite you on the count of three to put your hand up real high and let us pray with you a prayer of surrender, an invitation that God through his son Jesus would come and transform your life, change you, make you new, change your eternal destiny from hell to heaven. If that's you right now on the count of three, put your hand up real high. One, two, three. Say, that's me right there. Who else would say, that's me? Thank you. Who else would say, that's me? I see that hand. Who else would say it right now? I, I, I need Jesus. I, I've done it my way, but I need Jesus. And today's the day. If that's you, put your hand up real high. Thank you. Thank you. If you're online, you can put a hand emoji in the chat or type something in and let us know that you're saying yes to Jesus today. Well, you can put your hands down and everybody, can we say this together nice and loud right there in Worcester? Come on, say it loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Come on, let me hear you say it. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending him. I thank you that he died for me. And I thank you for raising him back to life. Today, God, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Would you make me new because of Jesus? And today, Jesus, I surrender. I call you my Lord and my Savior. It's in your name I pray.
Amen and amen. Okay, so there's that. Let's go over. Um, let's go over it. That seemed awful long. <laughs> That's just going to tell you. That seemed really long to me. Um, but thanks for sticking it out with me so far for uh, nearly an hour and 15 minutes. Appreciate that. So let's go over the things, right? And then we'll kind of talk about it a little bit. So one did he read the scripture? Well, he, he read he, he read a handful of scriptures. Um, we read Proverbs. We read Hebrews. We read uh, Romans. We read Ecclesiastes. Uh, we were in Romans twice. So we, we read them. Um, did we work through them exegetically, bringing out context and culture uh, for application? N- not really. Um, we did bring some application from them, but it was basically by way of movie verse, here's the truth, right? So it was, this happens in the movie, this is what scripture says, and this is how you know the scripture applies to this movie here and how you should do it too. So to be fair... There is, there, there, there is application uh, in this. And as I already said, as he got f- kind of further along here, certain ones, not all of them, but certain ones he, I feel like he, you know, he brought out a lot of, especially the Romans passages. I feel like both of those um, were little mini sermons. Uh, the rest of it, not so much. The Ecclesiastes passage, not really. The Hebrews, Proverbs, not, not so much. But the Romans ones were basically mini sermons that were, that really should have been their own sermons without the movie. <laughs> So we, we read scriptures, yes, um, which I appreciate because I didn't actually expect that much. So we did read scriptures. Um, we didn't really put them in their context or their culture, though. We brought out application, but it was basically the lens of, of the movie. And then the last one is, did we, did we uh, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, I do want to say that like at the end here, he uses some words. I took some notes here. Do you feel alone? Do you feel like you're facing an enemy, right? That was the idea, right? If you don't know Jesus, you probably feel alone and facing an enemy. So he says, recognizing that friend that sticks closer to a brother, he's referencing the Proverbs passage, uh, surrendering to Jesus and placing your faith, hope, and dreams in him, right? Now, at the very end, to be fair, at the very end there, he did talk about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and being saved and being changed. Um, So it's not that it wasn't there. Um, the question is, do you know what you're doing when you do that, right? There is something to be said about understanding what you're doing when you surrender to Jesus. It's not just escaping this enemy that uh, that's Bowser-esque, right? Um, there, there is something to be said about understanding what's going on. When we see Peter, for example, preaching the first sermon at, at, in Acts, um, there's this understanding of repentance, when we see Stephen before the Sanhedrin, he's presenting the history of Israel and the gospel to them. Um, when we see uh, even in the beginning parts of Acts where um, where Peter's going out or where Paul is going out, we, we see the message of Christ being preached, his life, death, and resurrection. Like that is the transformative power. Not that it's not mentioned in this sermon, but it's it's very much seems like it's like a byproduct. Like it's a... like. It's not that he doesn't, like this this particular pastor, doesn't believe it or care. He obviously does care for the people that he's speaking to. That's why he gets like emotional about the movie at the end, but he's actually getting emotional about Jesus saving people. Uh, but he's making this real weird connection between Mario and Bowser and Jesus and Satan kind of thing. Um, so it's not that he doesn't care. And I, I, I want to make this really clear. 
a lot of these pastors we cover, I'm not saying that they're not believers. I'm not saying they don't care for their people. I'm not saying that they don't know Jesus or the gospel or anything like that. I'm just saying that like, there are ways to present the scriptures that exhort people, that uh, encourage people, that convict people, that are faithful to what those verses are saying. And when we don't present them well, or we don't use them by which, in which they're like the lens in which um, you're supposed to see the world through, I would say there's something missing there. Because foundationally, the sermon, it was about uh, the movie being viewed through scripture. So you saw truth in the movie that was true also in the scriptures. But the message wasn't about it didn't come from the scriptures. It came from the movie and the scriptures were like tacked on. And that's problematic to me. Again, I think this falls in the neutral category in regards to sermon. I'm not, I'm not saying again, that it was a a bunch of false teaching. That's not what I'm saying, but it also wasn't like deep teaching that grows the believer either. It was just sort of, here's the milk for the babies, which is fine in some regards, but in others, this is kind of like, oh, okay. I'd love to know what you think. I would. Let me know below what you think about sermons like this. Um, am I totally off base? Am, am I right? Or do you think I'm right? I'm not saying that like, I'm the, the author, author of all faithful preaching and you have to do it like me. I'm just saying that there's a better way to present the gospel than this. That's my point. Let me know what you think below. If you're not subscribed, subscribe now. And if you like it, leave a thumbs up. If you don't, I guess leave a thumbs down and I'll cry about that later. But regardless of what you do, if you enjoy this sort of content, you can support us below. And if you don't want to do that, you can definitely catch us next week when we do this all over again.